This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Ukraine's stunning counteroffensive has sent Russia back. But can Ukraine hold the line? Foreign and policy expert Hannah Shalis joins us from Odessa, gives us an update on the fighting and what she is seeing from her window in her home in Odessa on the Black Sea. Ben O'Hara Byrne, or Big Ben O'Hara Byrne, host of A Little More Conversation, is in London covering the Queen Elizabeth II's funeral. Ben joins us here on the Shift while he waits in line to see the Queen lying at stake. He tells us what the mood is in London and why thousands are traveling to pay their respects test your knowledge of the british crown on game showy here on the shift daily podcast play some royal trivia learn something new maybe something you didn't even know about the queen and the british monarchy and history this is the shift podcast It is time to learn, educate, and have a good time in the form of game showy that's right, the game show that's game showy is on your radio. Thanks for being here. Remember, you can play along. Today's theme is all about the Royals. Here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Well, thank you, Bob. Well, I almost knocked my microphone out of my hand with the excitement on this one. As you heard, the today's theme for our trivia showdown. Thank you. Please hold your applause till the end. Wow. We are going to see what you know about the royals. And I don't just mean like the specific like current royal family. I mean deep history here. I nerded out. There is some deep facts in this trivia showdown. You might get to learn something, or maybe you know the answer already, but I'm excited to see how this is going to go down. If you're new to Game Showy or you need a reminder, here is how this all works. Contestants Shane Hewitt and Brendan Kelly each will pick a question and difficulty of said question. Today, we are playing for marmalade sandwiches, so one marmalade Mm -hmm. sandwich being an easy question, three being hard that's a full meal like that's a day's worth of eating right there now if you get the answer correct correct you will hear this sound hey look it's big ben uh if it is wrong you're gonna get some shade from the queen herself have we thought of that did you think of that clearly not because he got the answer wrong now if the opponent is incorrect the other will have five seconds to steal the answer now the categories of our questions are royal facts so that's deep history stuff royal landmarks and her royal highness herself queen elizabeth ii now we also have the text line special question for the listeners and the listeners only it is hidden in the show and if a contestant lands on it that hidden question will pop up and you will hear this sound if you hear that sound that means that the question's answer must come from the listeners so i'm going to ask it now so if you are able to text you're not driving or doing something like performing surgery or something get your phone out and text 877 Three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. I kind of like the idea that someone's yeah. like getting open heart surgery while this is You're on actually, the background. Yeah, scalp. Yep, scalpel. Yep. Right. Suction. Just you never know. C pixie pixie. It's not <laughs> brain surgery. We're listening to us. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to hear that, or that's just bad luck waiting to happen. Anyway, 877-399-9898. This is your question, Canada, and it is this: This castle was built in the 11th century after the Norman invasion of England by William the Conqueror. It is the oldest and largest occupied castle in the world. What is its name? Is it Balmoral, Windsor, Hillsborough, or Dolbadran? Those are your answers. Yeah, Dolbadran. I'll give it to you one more time. The oldest and largest occupied castle in the world in the UK. What is its name? Is it Balmoral, Windsor, Hillsborough, or Dolbadran? 877-399-9898. Text it in now. Your answer could be the difference maker in our trivia showdown. I feel like 
Dobodran something you take when you have a cold? It's like it does sound like a drug, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's somebody get me Dobodran in the commercial. Just saying. <laughs> All right, let's hit that bed intro one more time, BK. Now, before we get started, here's Ryan O'Donnell, your host, with the categories for game showing. We have Royal History, Royal Landmarks, and Royal Highness. All right. Let's get started with Game Showy. Remember, if you uh, you can also get involved with the text question very quickly one more time. This castle was built in the 11th century after the Norman invasion of England by William the Conqueror. It's the oldest and largest occupied castle in the world. Is it Balmoral, Windsor, uh, Hillsborough Castle, or Dolbadran? Uh, text it in because you can help us win when that question comes up. Let's get started. Very good. Let's do it for Her Majesty the Queen, all right? Now, Shane, you lost last mm-hmm. time. Brendan Kelly kind of stole the answer at the end there. So right. you, my friend, will get to go first. You get the first pick and the first question in today's showdown. Thank you, Ryan. I'm going to go with royal history for two marmalade sandwiches. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's uh, keep it food here. This is a very important part of mm-hmm. royal history. What was the official Platinum Jubilee pudding? The Platinum Jubilee, the one that just happened this year in honor of Queen Elizabeth's 90th anniversary on the, or 70th anniversary, uh, rather. So here are the pudding possibilities. Was mm. it vanilla, apple crumble, blood orange and Campari steamed pudding, or lemon Swiss roll and amaretti trifle? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, <laughs> it's the royal family, so I'm going to mm-hmm. go with vanilla. Uh. <laughs> vanilla? <laughs> vanilla? <laughs> That's pretty good. Vanilla is incorrect. It is not vanilla mm-hmm. pudding. It's the official well, pudding. Well, it should be. That? No. Oh, that means I can steal. You got five seconds. Yeah. Tick, 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 tick. I know this. It is the lemon Swiss roll and Amoretti trifle. Uh, yeah, trifles. It is, yes, that is correct. So there's actually a competition for the uh, Jubilees. And amateur baker Gemma, uh, Gemma Melvin's creation beat 5,000 other recipes and desserts to be crowned the winner of the Platinum Pudding Competition. There you go. Nice. Well, yeah. And just so Trucker Dan knows, there is collusion, and the collusion is the knowledge in my brain with me. (laughs) (laughs) The battle is on. The chirping has begun. The score right now is two points for Brennan because he stole the question. Zero points for Shay. Stole within the rules, the confines of the rules. The ceiling was allowed. I didn't just turn your mic off and give the correct answer, which Mm -hmm. I've thought about doing. Um, (laughs) Let's go with two marmalade sandwiches and we'll go with uh, the the queen, uh, her her royal, the queen category, her Majesty, yes. her, majesty her Majesty, the Queen. Yes, yes. somebody oh. corrected that. It's not her Royal yeah, Highness. That is why the Majesty. I just struggled saying it. There. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of titles in that one. Uh, here is your. Let's. Which one do I want to give you? I have so many options here. Okay, here's a question for you. The Queen's coronation, as we know, was broadcast on live television in 1953. Your question, Brendan Kelly did more or less than 20 million people watch that coronation happen more or less than 20 million 1953 uh i would say it was probably broadcast through the entirety of uh all of the the countries the what are we in? I'm tired today. We're the Commonwealth. Uh, Commonwealth. That's it. Not a lot of yeah. sleep. Here. Yeah, not a lot of sleep. I should. Yeah, the Commonwealth country. So I'll say more than 20 million. Mm. More than 20 million is correct. That is correct. The uh, royal family really wanted people to watch this. In fact, it was the first major event to be broadcast internationally. And mm-hmm. to make sure Canadians could see it on the same day, RAF Canberra flew BBC film recordings of the ceremony across the Atlantic to be broadcast by the CBC. That flight is the first nonstop flight between the UK and Canada ever. Wow. That flight right there. 
No. Hmm. I've got Very such neat. a big lead now. I could take a nap here. You have. You can take a nap. I'll be back. You're going to be full of <sighs> a lot of sandwiches. All right. So this is Game Show, by the way. If you're just joining us, Ryan O'Donnell is the host. Brennan Kelly is uh, the enemy, and I'm Shane Hewitt. Hey. I am. Uh, I am the the friendly one in this what? game. <laughs> We're competing for marmalade sandwiches. The winner takes home all of the pride. And you, too, if you missed it, you can play along with the text question when you hear uh, the sounder. Okay, Ryan, I'm going with Royal Landmarks for three marmalade sandwiches because I'm behind in the point in the marmalade sandwich count. All right. Let's let's see if you can. (laughs) Okay, sure. Let's uh, see if you can catch up here, Shane. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Westminster Abbey, where the Queen will be buried next Mm -hmm. week uh Mm -hmm. is uh, if i've been it's one of the most stunning buildings i've ever seen in my life Mm -hmm. and there are more than just royals buried in the abbey Mm -hmm. which one of these famous brits is buried in westminster abbey is it sir isaac newton stephen hawking jane austen william shakespeare or all of the above First of all, can we just talk about how weird it is that they bury people in Westminster Abbey and then they literally just walk on them when they go into the hall? Yes. Because they're just yes. like literally, they're like, open the floor. And they toss them in and it's like thump. And it's toss some is a strong word, but oh. it, there's a lot of ceremony. Yeah. Okay. Can, sorry, I was distracted you there. Can you read no, those? Okay. Uh, who Who's buried at Westminster Abbey? What are the options? Which, which one of these famous Brits is buried in Westminster Abbey? Right. Sir Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. Stephen Hawking, mm-hmm. Jane Austen, mm-hmm. William Shakespeare, or mm-hmm. all of the above. Well, uh, thanks to uh, my learning of all the things with the, the 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 Queenie, I would say that it's going to be all of the above because I I read that there's like a lot. There's a lot of decomposition going on in the basement of that place. Uh, well, it's been up since the 1100s. So, yes, that is correct. All of the above is indeed yes. the answer. Ding dong. This might actually shock you. Westminster Abbey holds 3,300 people. And when I say hold, that means there are 3,300 people buried in that church. Princes, Henry III, Edward III, Richard II, Henry V, and uh, there's a poet's corner where intellects and all that are buried, and then obviously the, the the royals as well. It's a fascinating building. If you ever go to the UK, I highly recommend checking it out. If you go to the poet's corner, you have to rhyme all your words. Yeah, yeah, to pay right. tribute. Um, okay, here we are. It is uh, Game Showy, and I am currently down in the count of points, which is marmalade sandwiches four to three for Brendan Kelly. All right. Uh, all right. I'm sorry, guys. Actually, we're going to have to throw to a quick commercial break. We're actually just a commercial break. Quick, we're going to have to throw to a quick, uh, just a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll be and, really short here. Yeah. Um, so let, let's do it. Yep. It's time to hear from our sponsor. Buy potato chips. Spend your money. And welcome back to Game Show. <laughs> we can't get a sponsor, so we thought we'd try to lead by example and see if somebody felt inspired. Do you feel inspired? feel inspired? Send us money. We'll say your name there. Ryan? Absolutely. Thank you so much. A reminder. Thank you for tuning back after that lengthy commercial break. Our categories of this trivia showdown, Royal History Royal Landmarks and Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. We are playing for marmalade sandwiches. One being an easy question. Three being difficult. BK, you are up next. Okay. I'm loaded with marmalade sandwiches here, so I don't Mm -hmm. can't buy any potato chips, but maybe later I'll head up the vending machine. Uh, Let's go with uh, Royal History for three marmalade sandwiches. Wow. Over three. Oof. No okay, this there. is a toughie. This is yeah. a tough question. Who was the first king of England? Oh, I know. Was it William the Conqueror? No, I, I know. Athelstan? George the First? I, I know. Henry the First? It was Athelstan. The first king of England? Yeah. Was? Correct. Athelstan. Yes, that is correct. The House of Wessex, grandson of Alfred the Great, the 30th great-granduncle to the Queen Elizabeth II. 
Anglo-Saxon king defeated the last Viking invaders, consolidated Britain, ruling from 925 to 939 AD. I didn't know there was a thing called a great-granduncle, by the way. Yeah, right? (laughs) History is fun. Okay. Okay. And they're all related. That's the weird part. Like, I'm going to marry my cousin. Yeah. Um, uh, Okay. um, My turn. Getting my butt kicked. I'm going to go with Royal Landmarks for two marmalade sandwiches, please. Well, guess what, Shane? You just found Uh the tax line special. Okay. So this is the question that was posed to the listeners and the listeners alone. So, Shane, even if you know the answer, you cannot answer. This is up to the shift heads. A reminder. If you're just texting 877-399-9898, get in your answer now. I will say it's very tight, but I think we have a we have a consensus from the listeners, and that is this. So the question was, this castle was built in the 11th century after the Norman invasion of England by William the Conqueror, the oldest, largest occupied castle in the world. What was its name? Is its name? The options were Balmoral, mm-hmm. Windsor, mm-hmm. Hillsborough, and Dolbodran. Those on, were the options. Come on. Now, I will say this was very tight, very tight. However, ahead by five texts, five texts, and we got a lot, is the correct answer, Shane. It was indeed, as decided by the listeners, Windsor Castle is the nice. correct answer. Balmoral is the Queen's favorite castle. Yeah. It was used as a refuge by the royal family during the Luftwaffe bombing campaigns of the Second World War. It is a popular tourist attraction and the main residence of the Queen from 2011 to 2022 before she moved to Balmoral shortly before her passing. So, hmm. text line special correct answer. We now are, uh, Brendan is at seven, Shane is at four. Five marmalade sandwiches. Wow. Balmoral's really the prettiest of the castles, though. Oh, like, of so all of them, beautiful. it is. Like, it's Sandringham incredible. is like a big giant house, but Balmoral is like the prettiest of all of them. Like, it yeah, is just stunning. It's nice. All right. All, all right, BK, right. you're back. Yeah, let's go with Her Majesty for two marmalade sandwiches. Two. Her Majesty for two, two of them. marmalade sandwiches. Question is, what foreign language did Queen Elizabeth II speak fluently? Oh. French or German? Bonjour, mon ami. She's, <laughs> she spoke French. Despite being of mostly German heritage, which is a funny joke the Germans like to remind the Brits of, the Queen learned French fluently. Yes, that is correct. There you go. Do you think we could have tuned Big Ben first before we did this? Because, I mean, like, Big Ben's low. I tried. It's a, well, it's been under renovation since 2017. In fact, I think it's just opening up again, like now. Uh, so Look, I had Big to find ben. some old recordings. Hopefully it'll be sounding good. Well, Shane, uh, you do get the last question here. It's all you. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go double or nothing since Brennan makes up the rules all the time for the hey. queen and three marmalade sandwiches. Double or nothing. Three. Okay, double or nothing? Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll get, I'm going to give it to you because why not? The queen <laughs> actually was entered the world into a pretty normal place, 17 Brutton Street in Mayfair, London, which was the home of her grandparents. This is a very important site, obviously, the birthplace of Queen Elizabeth. But this is no longer just a home. What is the Queen's birthplace right now? Here are your options. A museum, a Chinese restaurant, a mm-hmm. gift shop, or mm-hmm. an embassy. Okay. Um, I am going to try to read Ryan O'Donnell's mind. So the Queen entered the world at a normal address. She was born um, at a normal address, um, just a normal old house. And now it was a, uh, she was the most powerful person really in the world for a long time. So if Ryan's writing a question over the, where the queen was born, would he say it's the house is a museum, a Chinese restaurant, a gift shop, or an embassy? A uh, museum would be my logical choice. Embassy probably part due. Could flip a coin on that one. A gift shop. If it was a sneaker oh, shop, I would say that could be it. That could be a Ryan O'Donnell thing, but not a gift shop. And a Chinese food restaurant. 
I'm going to have to go with embassy. I'm flipping the coin. Flipping the coin? Embassy mm-hmm. is incorrect. It is not. <laughs> what do you thought of that? not an embassy. I'm sorry, Shane. Brendan, I mean, you, you won, but if you know the answer, I will allow you to steal it just to see if you can own it. I don't know. A, a gift shop. A gift shop is also incorrect. No, believe it or not, 7 Brunswick Street. Do I get to steal it back and then and by the it just keeps going back and of elimination forth. and then like my double yeah. or nothing gets to f- my quadruple or nothing? So if you got it wrong, obviously, I would yeah. know the correct answer. All right, so what's the question? Yeah. What's the answer, Ryan? The question was, what is the Queen's birthplace right now? And the answer uh-huh. is a Chinese restaurant. Seven get Brunton Street is now a what? swanky Chinese restaurant named Hakkasan, mm. which has a Michelin star. And if you go to the address, you can see a placard on a wall declaring... On the site stood the town home, a townhouse of Earl Strathmore and Kinghorn, where Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor, later to become Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, was born on the wow. 21st of April, 1926. I didn't know that they lived in a normal old house down the road. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. And now how much rent is nice in the food. house the Queen was born in? Can't be cheap. No. No, it was, it's very swanky. Look it up. Like this is mm. like this is not your average like takeout Chinese food place. Pretty sure Prince William's now the landlord. Well, congratulations, BK. That's game showy. Brendan Kelly wins again with no sleep even. He's that good. Thanks for listening to Game Showy. Even Ryan O'Donnell tried to let Shane cheat and he couldn't even win then get your pets spayed or neutered <sighs> you know a little bit to it like ryan put a little polish on big ben tune him up next time will you this is the shift podcast joining me now from odessa ukraine hannah shalis phd is here uh, to help us understand what has been going on from uh, through the eyes and the words of Ukrainian. Hannah, how are you? Good morning. Not bad, not bad. Morning is always better than the night. Yeah, I bet. Are you getting much sleep these days or are the alarms going off all the time still? Uh, you know, it's not all the time, but they usually come definitely not in the pleasant times. So last night it had been exactly at one o'clock in the night. Uh, so yeah. probably for you, that is the perfect time as you prefer the night shift. Yeah, we would but be awake. when you just <laughs> went to bed, that's not. What's, uh, if you could guess, when was the last time you had two nights of sleep complete in a row? Do you, would you remember how long that's been? Cause I'm assuming that hasn't happened often. You know, that is interesting because, um, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, you used to sleep with the air rates. And uh, sometimes it depends, uh, do you have your windows open or closed or how close to your house is the uh, actual place from where the air sirens are studying. So uh, uh, there were several nights, even the last week, when we had two air raids and probably I was so tired uh, that I even didn't wake up for these sounds. And uh, that's make it a little bit surrealistic because you understand that you should be cautious with these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, the news that's been coming out, uh, some celebration and positivity, it seems, with massive pushback against uh, Russian forces. Um, I don't want to lead you in any direction on this one, Hannah, but I thought I would just uh, let you start with that that openness of how are things going and what are you seeing? What is the general tone between you and your colleagues and friends? You know, uh, what's happened on the north, that's definitely extremely positive news. Uh, Even that, for example, me personally, I try not to be extremely euphoric because I understand that that is just a small part from what is occupied. But still, we are talking about 6,000 square kilometers. We are talking about approximately 300 villages. And it means the life of people in each of these uh, village and town, uh, uh, most of them being under the occupation for six months. And they didn't have any connection. They didn't know the news uh, from uh, Ukraine. They didn't have the uh, telephone connection. They didn't have electricity in many of these villages. So now when the soldiers are coming there, first of all, you know, these pictures of how they are greeted, how happy are locals because Ukrainian soldiers are coming, that's something heartbreaking. 
uh, even these people living in these very difficult conditions, the first thing they ask is, are you ours? Meaning, are you Ukrainian armed forces? And uh, th- then hugging and then saying, you know, we have something tasty for you. And soldiers from the front line in many of places been just reporting in shock how locals were coming in the morning or in the evening saying, like, boys, you need a warm food. And we're bringing something like borscht or vereniki, something very traditional and uh, very homemade uh, to cheer the soldiers, even with soldiers thought that they need to cheer uh, locals first of all. So the, these moods are definitely um, extremely important, and that is important from the strategic point of view as well, because uh, that is the territories from where the Kharkiv, the second biggest city, being shelled uh, daily, and also that is the uh, um, territories, uh, let's say, um, openly from where the Russians could uh, continue the counterattack in many other directions. But for us, also strategically important how Russians left. It was not a withdrawal, it was a retreat, and they were literally running from many of the villages, leaving huge stockpiles of the ammunition there and of the heavy equipment. There are even a jokes out in Ukraine that who is the biggest donor of weapons to Ukraine uh, after Kharkiv region liberation? Russia. Because they left that much of the untouched uh, military ammunition that now our armed forces can just uh, easily use. So, uh, so different in different regions. Down in the south with Crimea, access to the Black Sea being such an integral part of this, I haven't seen a whole lot of movement down in your area with all of this. Hannah, can you help us understand, because Mariupol and all those places, so close to the Russian border, um, is there much movement down around there yet, or has it been mostly the Kharkiv and, and all those places up north? No, um, it's not a full-fledged counteroffense as everybody been waiting on the south, but at the same time, the forces are not uh, um, relaxing there. Uh, it is the continuation of the uh, um, precise targeting of the ammunition depots at the region of um, Kherson uh, in different towns. And that's also a very slow but a move of the forces. Like they're pushing, they're not making the counteroffense, but they're pushing Russians out. And we heard about five, six villages being uh, liberated there as well. So um, the, the front there is very active, that's for sure. The question is that neither Ukraine nor Russia can have two big battles at the same time. So Kharkiv became a priority and Kherson became a little bit as the uh, taking attention moment. You know, like everybody been waiting, including the Russian generals, that the attack will be on the south. They brought there a lot of equipment and as a result the main uh, uh, battle happened on the north and we are talking about thousand kilometers in between so definitely they were not able to uh, regroup quickly and uh, were not ready for that uh, battle. But if you speak about uh, like Mariupol it's something uh, very very distant as for now uh, mm-hmm. because it is the furthest uh, point uh, from where the Ukrainian armed forces are stationing now or where the battles are happening. But at the same time, what is interesting, I noticed that the last two weeks, the resistance movement increased dramatically, not only in Kherson, like we used to hear the last two months about the uh, resistance in uh, Kherson, but they are brand, let's say, yellow ribbon, that is the symbol that they chose for the resistance. Now we hear more and more cases about it in um, Militopol, uh, that is the Zaporozhye region, and in Mariupol itself. So, And even in Crimea, people started to use the symbols of either yellow ribbon uh, to protest uh, and to mark the territory to show that it is Ukraine. Or mm. the latter year, it is the Ukrainian alphabet letter that none of the other alphabets in the world uh, um, have, none of other Slavic Cyrillic uh, uh, alphabets. Uh, so that became also like a symbol to mark the place to show that Ukraine hasn't left none of these territories. How do you say that, the, that letter? Ye. Okay, so it's kind of like Try ye. to put Y and I, but pronounce it as the one sound. Okay, ye, that way? That's exactly. neat, and because I've seen I've seen that with with the flag, right? Like you've seen I've seen the Ukrainian flag and that 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 e looking symbol, that's kind of there, and I, I've always wondered that. So you answered that question. Now I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. Please be gentle and help me, um, because there have been now west of 
uh, Dnipro, southwest of Dnipro and west of Zaporizhia, is a place where there was a dam. And, and this is this is the problem that what's what's happening here is every time Russia gets embarrassed, they tend to send rockets into places where um, they try to cause more civilian damage. Uh, Krivi Re, is that how you pronounce it? How do you say the name of the city that the dam is that got hit with rockets? No, it's called Krivi Rig. Oh boy, I missed my long <laughs> shot. That that's very difficult to pronounce for foreigners, but uh, th- that's just the uh, um, uh, something like the. Uh, uh, oh my God, no, I, I I don't know the English word for this, but something when you have not straight but opposite yeah. to straight, and yeah. uh, um, th- th- that is like uh, to show because the river is turning over there, so it is a little bit about okay. the ge- geography of the place. Oh, interesting. So uh, what is the impact of that? Because we've seen some reports of that flooding of this. This is where um, that uh, President Zelensky is close to being from. You know, they, they've uh, reporters have put all kinds of symbolism on it. Um, has it caused, it's not very far away from you, but probably, what, three-hour drive? It's it's not that far. Um, and But is it is it causing all kinds of damage, or is this, these just reports um, uh, saying that it's more than it is? It's more than three hours drive. It's quite a, uh, yeah, it's probably around uh, six hours considering the route. But uh, that is the hometown of President and his family. His father and mother are still there. His father is the professor at the local university. And uh, uh, that is very important industrial uh, city. So even if they are not the regional center, but they are one of the uh, uh, flagman industry, heavy industry cities um, in Ukraine. Uh, it's been under um, attack, uh, Russian attack, for quite a long time because it is closer to the uh, um, occupied territories. And uh, uh, they are also on the river, and that is important. So there are plenty of dams um, across it. And uh, yesterday, you were right. After each attack, what Russians are doing, uh, after each defeat, uh, they are targeting some big uh, civilian or critical infrastructure object. And uh, uh, if previous, after the first days of the uh, uh, Kharkiv counterattack, they targeted electric stations. So, for example, Kharkiv been two days without electricity. Uh, so this time they targeted uh, the water dam. And yesterday we had uh, uh, some villages being flooded. Uh, we have uh, uh, four meters, as far as I heard, of the water um, going up in the river. Today in the morning, uh, they said that water uh, went down for approximately 45 centimeters. So the process started because the whole night the emergency services and soldiers been working, trying to um, minimize the damage of uh, what's happened uh, over there. But still, uh, um, because the river is very full, so it's not a like a quick or simple project and there is evacuation of people from several villages because they uh, may be very heavily flooded. Anna Shalis is in Odessa, Ukraine. There was uh, reports of the president being in a car crash. Now, I always worry, I get the whole show of strength and morale and all the things by the president being visible and getting out and about, but it is dangerous. And with these reports of a car crash, apparently he's okay. That must be a little concerning for Ukrainian citizens, or, or is it one of those necessary things that he needs to do to build morale? Um, you know, the uh, uh, car accident happened in Kiev, uh, so uh, that means that something could happen at any moment, and definitely so. he can't be just in the bunker for right. uh, six months. Uh, so, but anyway, the car accident that is very dangerous, it just demonstrates how tired they've been probably after the, uh, uh, the whole trip uh, to the north. And okay. uh, uh, we hope that he and his driver will be okay. At least the president have just minor injuries. It, it was reported to us, and uh, uh, the driver been taken to the hospital, but nothing dangerous. Uh, however, okay. if you speak about his trip in general, you know that's extremely important. That's what people appreciate. That's what soldiers appreciate, and that demonstrate that that is safe enough for the president to travel to these liberated cities. Izum was very important, and uh, uh, there were a lot of uh, forces that fought very, very hard to liberate this uh, city. And the fact that President came, came personally, 
to commemorate them, to talk with them. Uh, for the morale of the forces, especially when you compare the situation in Russia when president even can't meet his uh, minister not sitting 10 meters out from uh, him, uh, this uh, picture is striking uh, for anybody who is seeing it. Odessa is on the south border of Ukraine on the Black Sea. It has about a million people, roughly. Um, so uh, Canadians can put some context onto the size of the cities, you know, that becomes... You know, smaller than Calgary, a little smaller than Edmonton, about the size of Ottawa here in Canada. The thing about Odessa that I've learned from Hannah is that it is quite the tourist destination, typically. As we tiptoe into fall, Hannah, one of the things that I've really appreciated is the stories of your beautiful city, because you speak of it so kindly and so fondly, that can you help us understand what fall is starting to look? It was not really fall yet for a week, but what it's starting to look like in Odessa and um, what did it used to look like? Compare the two. If you could help us paint that picture a little bit. Uh, you know, we have Indian summer. Do you have Indian summer in Canada? It seems to me, yes. It's uh, yeah, on the, the uh, yeah. Extended summers, yep. Yeah, so uh, that's exactly what we have now. And today is the perfect weather of plus 25. Uh, so uh, that makes you uh, the different perception. You can't swim in the water, um, mm. but you couldn't swim the whole uh, summer because of the mines. Uh, but at the same time, you have already all the yellow um, trees and uh, this very, very warm weather. In Odessa, it's more greenery rather than in other towns because uh, we are on the south, so it's later in October we'll have uh, everything in yellow. So that's definitely this Indian summer is always very positive and pleasant period here. As for people, it is like, you know, to catch the last... Uh, shimmery of sun and summer and the summer mood uh, that's usually where the period when additional tourists were coming those who didn't want the summer heat and beaches but who wanted a pleasant walks and uh, um, these uh, warmth and hugs of the sun uh, but this year uh, definitely not so many tourists even that uh, uh, we see that during the summer we had some tourists they were mostly moms with some kids who wanted to escape their towns and to be a little bit of the calmer conditions but we see that more and more locals are returning back so uh, um yesterday i was really like walking around and saw how many cars the traffic jam returned to the city and more and more uh, activities happening and uh, more and more people returned with kids as well because the school year started on the first of september and that's also quite an interesting picture. Not that much as probably we wanted, as in Odessa, if I'm not mistaken, only 30 schools uh, opened offline uh, because you can open the school only if you have a shelter. And as you can imagine, not having the war for 70 years, not so many schools had their shelters. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that isn't even get into the conversation of schools shouldn't have to have shelters in today's world. I think we can all agree on that. Um, but here we are. Or isn't it the case? Uh, thank you for being with us again. Thank you for sharing this information and this insight. I love to hear all about it. Um, uh, Hannah Shalis in Odessa, Ukraine. It's great to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Always a pleasure. This is the Shift Podcast. Look, kids, Big Ben. It's uh, Ben O'Hara Byrne. Big Ben O'Hara Byrne, which we'll call him since he's in London. How are you, Ben? I'm good, thanks, Shane. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. It is early in the morning there. Uh, life is just kind of getting underway. You are outside. Are you still in the line to go for the viewing? Where are you now? I am. I am. We're just in this long, winding line. You may have seen reports about it. Um, last night it was up to 2.8 miles, so what, nearly 5K. Uh, it's a bit shorter today, a bit shorter this morning. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I got there, but for half, past, half past five in the morning, uh, really not, not honestly, not as a, not as a journalist, just as a person. I figured it was a moment in history that had to be seen. So, uh, I waited in line with everyone else. You get to know the people you're with, obviously, when you're standing there, because you chat about why you're there and what time you got up and how much stuff you packed, anticipating a 25 hour wait that didn't happen. So, yeah, it, it's been a pretty, um, it's, it's moving along steadily, uh, but there is a constant stream of people here who are all just waiting. Uh, to pay their respects to the Queen as she lies in state. 
So the picture that you sent me, uh, I would like to share that at shiftheads.ca on our Facebook group, Ben. What is the building in the background? For those who are going to go click on it, um, describe what you see in front of you and what is the building in the background so everyone can relate. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's the Houses of Parliament in Britain, of course, on the uh, on the Thames, on the on the north bank of the Thames. Uh, we're on, of course, the queue. The lineup's on the south side. That's where it runs and then winds back around. And in fact, that's, uh, that's where Parliament Hall is. That's where... Uh, where uh, Westminster Hall is. That's where the Queen is lying in state in those in that parliamentary precinct. Um, it's the oldest building there, actually, in that uh, in that photo. So, uh, if you look across the Thames from the South Bank, that's what you see. Those are the the the, the backside of the of the re- newly renovated, by the way, uh, Houses of Parliament here in London. Hmm. So, uh, Ben, you've been really busy. You've been providing us all these reports and all these things. What can you describe for us? Sort of the the human tone. Since you're standing in that line, you're surrounded by the people. I mean, you've done some fantastic journalist work. I'm I'm really curious, sort of, about your experience of the people uh, that you've been able to bump into. The general tone, and um, you know, obviously, there's some people that are very emotional, and there's some people that didn't really think they would care, and they realized, huh, I do care. I want to be a part of this. So, what do you see? Yeah, I think everyone cares. I mean, that, that goes without saying. I think one of the, you know, we don't see a lot of tears. There isn't a lot of grief. I think a lot of people have been looking back to the, uh, the funeral of Diana, the Princess of Wales, 25 years ago, 25 years ago now, more or less, um, and just how much, how grief-stricken the nation was, how grief-stricken so many people were at her death. You know, in this case, there's been tears, obviously, and there's been emotion, clearly, when the coffin returned to London. Uh, the procession yesterday to bring the coffin from Buckingham Palace here at Westminster Hall was an emotional moment for many. But overall, the you know, the stories you're hearing is that people just want to talk about her, their relationship with the monarchy. Uh, a lot of people are talking about their parents, how much the Queen met to their mum or to their grand. You know, they saw her coronation. Um, you know, they're gone now. A lot of people have lost those people in their lives. So this is the Queen always represented a kind of continuity for them to a different time. Uh, to that era back, you know, the, the, the earlier part of the 20th century. Uh, so that's really been the overriding uh, human emotion here. It's not one of incredible grief, certainly one of deep gratitude. Um, and also this, this acknowledgement that, that to say farewell, um, you know, it's been 70 years since a monarch died in this country, uh, that to say farewell is a moment in history. Lots of people I was speaking to today talked about how their parents had been at Winston Churchill's funeral or when he was lying in state in the mid-60s. Um, oh, wow. Or they've been at the Queen's coronation and waited, and, and how they talked about those, shared those stories for you know decades. You know, oh, I was at Winston, when you know when Sir Winston died, I I went to see him, you know, lying in state, and that's what brought a lot of people here to where I am is just that idea, that notion that this is something historical, and you know, taking the time to be part of it is well worthwhile. I would imagine people from all over England and the UK are really descending upon London. Is it crowded? What's that like? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the area around um, around the Palace of Westminster, Buckingham Palace, they're not that far apart in central London, is is completely shut down to traffic, and it's packed. I mean, it's been packed for these for these processions and so forth. Um, you know, you, you don't. It, it feels really crowded in certain parts of the city, as like where I am, and there really are people from everywhere. I bumped into a Canadian couple last night who had flown here on Friday after the, after the, the murder of the Queen's death, just to be here, um, just to do what I'm doing now, which is they did this last night, which was to wait in this line and, uh, and go in and pay their respects. And I asked them how long they thought they would wait because it was all quite fluid last night. And uh, there, her line was, she served us for 70 years, so we can, we'll can wait as long as it takes. So that was that. Uh, so there are a lot of people around, uh, but it's all very orderly. Uh, people are in a pretty um, generous mood. People are being kind to each other. I know that's, uh, you know, given the circumstances, I think that... Uh, there's been very little sort of pushing and shoving or arguments in these long, long queues. People are obviously tired, probably hungry, um, you know, having to exercise a lot of patience. Uh, but there is this sort of collective sense of, you know, of, of um, that this isn't the right time to be arguing about petty things. That we're all, you know, we're all just, um, people are just, the people who come here specifically just to pay their respects. Uh, there's sort of this overriding niceness about the whole thing. Kindness would be the right word. 
Ben O'Hara Byrne is the host of A Little More Conversation. Uh, the show that's on before we come on, he is in London. His background is this international journalism uh, type stuff and doing a great job getting us now, uh, getting us this info. Now, Ben, you, you've been around the world. You've been to a lot of places. You've had a lot of experience in, in all kinds of things like this. Is there something about this that stands out for you or surprises you the most that you didn't expect when you, when you took off and landed? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um you know, when I was based here for the many years that I was based here, one of the things we always talked about and planned for was the Queen's death. Because invariably, you know, when I was here, she was in her late 80s into her early 90s. Everyone knew this day would come and just what, what, it would, what would it be like? You know, what would be how would people react? I think what surprised me the most is just is just the fact that, you know, it's, it's just the, the conversations people have been having. The most interesting part about being here is just being here. And that's not always the case. A lot of events you go to, I mean, they're events, they're planned, so people feel like they're part of something big and planned. Whereas this feels, in many ways, although it's very well organized, it feels like a lot of people have been coming down here in a way that's impromptu. You know, they're here because they want to be here. Um, you know, it's not about taking selfies, and it's not about uh, sort of establishing your presence somewhere. It really is about this need to come down and be part of history. And I don't think one can ever really appreciate the magnitude of that until you actually see it. Uh, I think seeing her coffin as well, the finality of it was, was much more jarring than I expected. The little things, you know, and, and just the realization that the queen, I mean, she's the only queen I've ever lived under, um, that she's, she's gone. And I think a lot of people are coming to terms with that as well. So those are the things that I found the most um, pleasantly surprising about being here now is just how fundamentally genuine everyone's emotions are about this. And, and just having the conversations about why people are here and why they chose to come and their memories of their own families and how the Queen, because she was around for so long, memories of the Queen are sort of woven into all these different family histories here. Um, and you really get to appreciate that being here now. I, I didn't think, I, I hadn't realized that that would be such a touching part of this experience until I got here. I, uh, for me, it hit me in ways that I would never expect it. It reminded me an awful lot about my grandmothers from simple things like, you know, uh, pearls to uh, haircuts, right? Like it's it's yeah. really hit me in some strange ways. And we've had some of the shift head community here reach out and say, you know, really didn't. I was rather indifferent, but then now that it's here, I kind of realize, huh? Yeah, this is a big deal, and they start to see it different. I wonder, does that translate? I mean, you talked about you know they've been preparing for this for a long time, ten years, twenty years, just in case. Um, is some of the pomp and circumstance and the impressiveness of uh, of the magnitude of the firm and the institution expressing itself yet um has that has that sort of turned up in in the ma- the majesty of it all yeah i mean i mean i think that there are a few things at play here that are somewhat separate from the idea of the monarchy and the idea of the royal family and that is that it's mainly about her i mean the fact that she served and she served for 70 years she made the vow when she was, you know, at 20, her 21st birthday when she was in Cape Town in South Africa, made this vow to serve and then did. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I, there's been obviously discussion around about, about the legacy of the monarchy, uh, colonialism, those things about, about you know, the, about the queen, the family itself, Charles, you know, the succession, all those things. But really, when you spend over the past few days since the coffin returned from, to London, especially, it, it's really been about paying tribute to her. Um, not only as a queen, but also uh, just as, you know, this constant, this leader who had been in their lives for, for so long. So uh, I, I suspect that there'll be a lot of conversations in the future about Charles and his ability to be a good king, uh, the squabbles within the royal family, some of the things we've seen of late that's been talked about a little bit, whether there'll be re- reconciliation between, say, William and Harry or um, during this time. Uh, but for the time being, for these days, it's been mostly about talking about the queen talking about the significance of her death about her lying in state and how to pay tribute and just being part of this whole uh process of mourning um so that's that's been the focus really so far at least here i I know there are conversations going on around us uh but within the heart of this period of mourning it's it's very much about her Okay, what's next? Ben O'Hara Byrne is in London. Uh, the the famous people, the celebrities, the um, influential political leaders, 
other maybe their figureheads in a lot of other countries not so um you know powerful today but still you know monarch figureheads from other countries will all descend this weekend upon london what's next and and it sounds like it's going to get even more crowded yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly what's happening now, well, this is going on uh, not too far from Westminster Abbey, just a short walk from Westminster Abbey. Plans for the funeral are, you know, clearly moving along apace. They have to. They've only had about 10 days to organize what will be a, perhaps the largest gathering of, of state leaders that we've ever seen uh, for something like this. Uh, this is going to be something unlike any of us have seen before. Um, so the planning for that is clearly been difficult the security planning is difficult the logistics are difficult uh at one point we were hearing that every world leader was going to have to take shuttle buses to get to westminster abbey uh, i understand now that president biden is not going to have to that his security as she said that wasn't going to happen um so just i think we're really going to start focusing now on monday uh beginning in the next few days that the real focus will shift to the funeral and what's going to happen there and how the logistics are working i did find out a bit more about the canadian contingent um you know the queen was a big huge fan of the rcmp's musical ride and the rcp had gifted her many horses over the years i think eight um so as part of her funeral procession on monday four members of the musical ride will be there on horseback uh on four of the horses that the rcmp has gifted uh to the queen over the past 10 15 years or so oh, uh, so that's part of, some of the, yeah some of the canadian uh, contingent. And we're hoping to her- learn more about that as well so uh, really, I think everyone will start to focus on the funeral fairly soon. But in the time, for the time being, for the public at least, it's all about this lying in state and getting an opportunity to uh, to pay their respects, to, to wait and pay their respects. Uh, here, Ben, I don't know um, which day you actually left on, but the the flip had started to happen, right? Um, a court of Queen's bench, court of King's bench, all of those things started to flip over right away. Yeah. Uh, with under the shadow of, I like the way that you described it, celebrating the Queen. Um, all these things need to happen in the background that everything needs to change. Is it visible that these things are changing, or is that something that they're setting aside going, hey, by the way, why don't you just wait and not change that sign until Monday night? You know what I mean? Like, Or is, yeah, it, or is it just yeah, blatant in front of everybody? There doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency when it comes to those things. Of course, there are certain things that names uh, that have changed immediately. Like, you know, the, the Queen's Palace Guard has become the King's Palace Guard. You know, God Save the Queen is now God Save the King. You know, those, those things have all happened already, things that are quick to change. In terms of things like currencies and stamps and signage and so forth, that's going to take a while. And I think, I think there is a recognition that uh, but there is no rush. It will happen in due course. Uh, but so far, there is no evidence of it here other than everyone talking about how hard it is. I mean, anyone you speak to will always say PR, you know, per Charles, and then stop and say King Charles. You know, people right. haven't gotten used to, to the new moniker just yet, uh, to the new title. Um, but in terms of just fit changes on the ground, you know, we're not seeing. It's it's not like when there's a coup or something when all the all the portraits disappear overnight and the statues come down. Um, you know, this is very much going to be a slow process. I think of of a transition from from one monarch to the next. Big Ben O'Hara Byrne is uh, the host of A Little More Conversation, the show that's on before the shift every single weeknight. He is in London, England. And thanks, Ben. I know that with all of the things that you have to do, you've opened up time. I want everyone to understand what you're doing for us. You've opened up time in your morning, which is really the only time you have uh, to be here with us. You'll be with us tomorrow and then again on uh, Monday morning as well. So I I really appreciate the extra work, man. Yeah. Thanks, Shane. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.